I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Good morning, Celtics fans. Happy Friday. I hope you're all feeling well heading into Game 6. We're feeling good heading into Game 6. Before we get into Game 6, we need to talk about Game 5. As usual, I'm your boy, Adam Taylor. I'm joined by my homie, my compadre, my co-host in crime, Mr. Will Weir. What's popping, Will? One more, Adam. One more win from the NBA Finals. I'm telling you, dude, like, you know when it's when you were a kid and you were like, man, there's one more sleep till Christmas. It's Christmas Eve. You're like, one you more can't sleep. sleep. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And like, I want to feel like that, but I just don't. <laughs> I just do. I, I, honestly, man, and we spoke about this off air, and I'm sure some people are going to agree. I'm sure some people are going to disagree. But by golly, this series is mind numbingly bad. Like, Boston are winning. And like you said before we came on air, you like, it's busting above all. If they get a yeah. win, they get a win. And that adds something to the enjoyment factor. But by golly, the, the level of play, the especially when the games are in Miami and there's just no crowd involvement, there's no energy. No, like when you're watching a TD garden, even through your screen, you can kind of like feel an atmosphere. It's atmospheric. You're like, man, mm-hmm. imagine if you were there. This is gonna this would be wild. And you kind of you can feel it, the crowds in there. Sometimes you can't even hear what like the play-by-play guys are saying because people are so loud. And in Miami, I'm like, if they just it's like um you know when you go walk past the cinema and like a movie theater and you're like, hey, do you want to come and watch this uh, this new movie for free so we can gauge your reaction? It's like they've done that. Like, do you want to come and try basketball <laughs> for the first time? And everyone's there, like, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, it's, uh, it is is quite the disparity of of crowds. Which I think plays into this slog of a of a series, and I think slog is probably a very appropriate term for what we're, we're attempting to call basketball in the series at certain points, you know, because it's, it's very close to not being basketball in, in many ways, especially when you look at last night, just the first half as an example, because there was on neither side, was there, you know, a, a, a valiant effort at a, at a well-played basketball game. And, and I said this to you, man, that the, the real tough part is this is when you look at this from like the league NBA perspective, and you know, of course, I'm very happy the Celtics are up three two. We're going to talk about the Celtics, guys. Don't worry. We're we're, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the good things. What it means. We're just venting be one it, game yeah. away. This, but this is just. I do think this is something that needs to, to be addressed. But you look at this from like a holistic league perspective. This is the Eastern Conference Finals. You've set up the schedule, which I think a lot of people don't necessarily agree with because you're seeing, you know, time and all the injuries over the last, you know, three seasons that have been jam-packed into 2022 months. You know, you're seeing that catch up right now. And you've set this up as the NBA to go every other night. So you're like, look at our best two teams in the East. Look at our best two teams in the West. And it has been 20-point blowout after 20-point blowout after 20-point blowout. And then you throw in within this Miami and Boston series, Stephen A. nailed it. He said it's an infirmary out there. Like everyone is out there, but let's be real. Most of the people that are playing in this Miami Boston series, the the high end guys, the Jimmy Butler, the Kyle Lowry, the even Tatum and, and Rob Williams, who even though like they're Marcus Smart, certainly they're playing through it to different degrees. A lot of these guys are probably sitting this out. This is a regular season game, right? If this is a regular season game, we're getting Aaron Neesmith versus Max Struess. 
that's probably the the highlight of what we're getting from these rosters. Well, so I'm they hyped are hyped for that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> I'm hyped. We're getting the NBA Summer League Championship, Max Truce versus Aaron. <laughs> you know, but this is the Eastern Conference Finals. And so my point being from like a holistic standpoint, it's really tough that this is the product you're getting as a showcase. And now hopefully the finals will be a different case and there'll be a little bit of rest and people will be back to closer to, to full strength. But it's it's been a tough watch. And, and last night in the first half, I was getting a little sad at him, but that's why they play two halves. Because the second half made me made me a lot happier. I mean, look, from a holistic standpoint, you're watching one team that can't score or initiate offense in the half court. And you're watching another team that um has butterfingers and can't yeah. box out. So, you know, you're coming in and you're like, dude, I, I, was, I remember watching games like this in high school. Obviously, it's a, <laughs> that's how it feels anyway, right? But as you say, guys are banged up. Guys are tired. It's every other day. And the one thing that I, I think often goes uh, unappreciated and never really gets factored into these discussions is travel. Like, yeah. you know, the day off you have, you're traveling. Or you're so, traveling you know, that night and getting a yeah. crappy night of sleep because you're flying in. You know, I mean, Miami and Boston both on the East Coast, but that's still, you know, a three-hour flight. It's still a two-and-a-half, three-hour flight that you're taking after a game and you're, you know, all everything that goes into travel, even though they're flying, you know, not flying commercial, they're flying, you know, luxury, whatever. Like, it still takes a toll. It's not a full rest day. Yeah, because by the time you get home, you know, you still got traveled and you got to journey home, get some rest, and you're probably going to have to go back in do some film work with the team, maybe get up, you know, meet with your trainers, figure out a, a recovery plan for the rest of the yeah, day. Everyone's the, the trainers are getting a workout in, in the series. Yeah, everyone's dude. meeting with the trainers. Yeah. For real dude. So like there, even the day off isn't a day off. And I think that's a huge factor that doesn't get discussed enough. Right. And obviously neither of us are privy uh, to what actually happens on those days. And during the off season, I'm hoping that we can, you know, bring a few people on this show. So that's a question I'd like to kind of get a deeper insight into. But again, nobody's going to be available with such short turnarounds between games to even try and attempt doing that at this point. So, yeah, I mean, that's a big issue. And as you say, game one, sorry, first quarter, second quarter. Let's, look, I, I kind of just want to miss out the first half of the game. Yeah, I mean, I think we can hit it really quick on a high level. Basically, the Celtics had 10 turnovers. They gave up, let's see, I think it was nine offensive rebounds, 16 second chance points. You you had the stat, I saw you tweeted out earlier. This is for the game, not just for the half. But I believe combined between the Celtics' offensive rebounds throughout last night and their turnovers, it equaled, was it 41 Miami points? Yeah, so the tweet was, the Celtics gave up 19 offensive rebounds, which led to 24 second chance points. They turned the ball over 15 times, leading to 17 points off turnovers which was 41 of Miami's 80 points. More than 50% of Miami's offensive production came directly from Celtics mistakes. Yeah, that's not great. And in the first half, those turnovers, which I think is is just the running theme of this entire series. If, if the Celtics take care of the basketball and don't give Miami transition opportunities, they cannot lose. Even Jeff Van Gundy on the national broadcast said that last night. They came back from the second half and asked him for his analysis. And his analysis was, if the Celtics don't turn the ball over, I don't see how they can lose. That's that's the national broadcast 
you know, analysis of the situation. And Van and Gundy is one accurate. of my favorites. He's great. I love Van Gundy. I think I think Van Gundy's fantastic. I love when he comes on, you know, the Zach Lowe podcast. But I think he has really, you know, I think he has some really great insights. But that's what the series is. Don't turn the ball over and you win. Turn the ball over 10 times in the first half, you're down five. Turn the ball over half as many times in the second half and you win by 13. I mean, it's it, that, that's really, there's other stuff that we're going to talk about, but but that's the most basic and true equation of this series. <laughs> Give up 13 extra. So does the Celtics gave up in total when you deduct what they had versus what Miami had. The Celtics gave up 13 offensive rebounds and then they turned the rock over 15 times and still won <laughs> by 13 points. It's insane. The, the result would have been 93 to 39, dude. Yeah. If, if, if they're obviously no team ever is going to not give up an offensive board, they're not mm-hmm. going to go the entire game without a turnover, especially at this level against a defense that uh, plays so like intensely and like really full of heart. But if that anomaly did occur, we would have been looking at a 93 39 victory for Boston in an Eastern Conference Finals. That's how banged up Miami are right now. Yeah, and and I do think that needs to be addressed. And listen, the Celtics are not a beacon of health. The Celtics are banged up as well. So in certain ways, it's somewhat level playing ground. But I I think specifically, you look at Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler was groundbound for that entire game. That man Mm -hmm. has no lift. And like, listen, like we saw what, the healthy version of Jimmy could look like in, in game one when he was dominant. He was dominant in, in game one. And once again, it's also a game the Celtics could have won if they didn't shoot themselves in the foot with that third quarter. But Jimmy Butler did, you know, what, what we saw Jimmy Butler, Butler, Jimmy Bubble, <laughs> Jimmy Butler in the bubble do as well and play and rise his game to a level that, you know, I don't think we're always sure that we want to put him in that class. And he, he definitely has those moments where he can be in that superstar class. And he did that in game one, you know, with this knee injury. I don't know the, you know, the full details on it, but you can just watch him, man. He has no lift. He's had a couple times where he got around the rim and you could tell unless he was going to try and draw a foul call. He didn't have the ability to 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 go up at the rim and so he would kick it out. Um, you saw the Celtics back off in a very disrespectful manner a couple times to give him three-point shots. And Jimmy's a guy who usually likes to elevate a little bit when he shoots. And he's shooting from the standstill position. He knocked one down in the first half. In the second half, he brutally missed a couple of those those that were just, you know, basically the Celtics doubled down and both had two different players step back and, and drop and just left him Ben Simmons-style open. And we're like, if you're going to shoot it, man, go ahead and shoot it because we know you got nothing right now. And it's it's a little sad to to see. Like I, I would prefer Jimmy Butler be healthy, and this was a just a better better set of games. This game stink. They're they're not fun to watch. Like I'm happy the Celtics are winning, but these games are, are are not really entertaining. And yeah, Jimmy is just a shell of himself. I don't know Kyle Lowry. You know he, he doesn't seem to be. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't seem like himself. But it's also maybe a little bit of old age. I don't know. And then obviously Tyler Hero being out. So you take those three guys out of their offensive mix where they were already a question mark as to how they were going to generate enough points in the half court. And as long as you don't turn the ball over, this team doesn't have much of a chance against the Celtics. Kyle Lowry finished with zero points. Yeah, he doesn't He doesn't look like himself, man. Not at all. Not even on the defensive end. Like, he's just not there right now. And, you know... They tried to do some different things with Bam. I thought Bam was quite good for the most part, but he's not the guy to lead you 
You know yeah. what I mean? But they, they that game they, three was an anomaly. Yeah, exactly. You know, they put him in some positions to run some. They ran a couple of grenade actions with him. They threw him onto the elbows. Ran a few different looks off the elbows, getting guys to come in off pin downs before getting DHOs. And they tried to be like diverse with the way they utilize Bam and create space. And early on in the first quarter and some way into the second, they were finding a little bit of room attacking that drop off those BAM DHOs and they were getting some good pull-up jumpers from that mid-range area. As soon as Boston adjusted a little bit and just had guys pinch in on those, that that was gone. And then it just, from that point on, I was just like, dude, this this Miami team just has no hope. If yeah. it's not in transition, they've, they've got no answers. They've got, they've got offensive rebounds in transition. Those were the only two ways they were really generating points last night. And then when you look at Bam, the Celtics have the antidote. And his name is Rob Williams. Yeah. Like when, when Bam sees Rob, it's it's alarming. And you saw even in the fourth quarter when Bam, I think, had either four or six straight points, two or three straight buckets. You know, Ime immediately just went back to Rob. And, you know, they put Rob straight up on Bam. They switched kind of their, their, their defense a little bit where they moved at one point. You know, Horford was over on Butler, which had typically been Smart's matchup. Smart moved over to P.J. Tucker. And they just wanted Bam to just see Robert Williams, not just feel him anymore. They wanted him to see Robert Williams. And when that would happen, Bam couldn't do anything against Rob Williams. Rob Williams was great last night. He doesn't even I don't even think he looks 100 percent, but I think he was fantastic last night. And Bam doing what he did in game three. I don't think that's happening again as long as Robert Williams is on the court. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think that, you know, they were quite smart with their minutes distribution in terms of like Boston. You know, they kept Marcus Smart around 23 minutes, kept Rob Williams around 27, you know, 26, 48. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grant Williams played a little bit more. Did you hear why Grant Williams started the third quarter? Uh, I just so I saw Ime's press conference. He said that Rob needed an extra stretch. He said it was a little bit unique, but and, unless there's something else I missed on top yeah, of that, yeah, he's in the bathroom. <laughs> Grant Williams, Grant Williams uh, decided to shed light on that. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hear the Grant fall. I like I'll, that. I'll send you the, I'll send you the thing. It's please um, do. I, I like that Ime was like, oh yeah, a little strange, you know, needed some stretching. Grant's just like, now nah, my man had a dookie. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Playoffs, dude. Is yeah, Grant's like I had to I had to step up, man. You know, if a, if a man's down, you gotta step <laughs> up. Next next man up. <laughs> yeah, I think these exact words where I just looked over at coach and went, Yo, coach, I'm available. Let's do this. <laughs> coach, I went at the beginning of halftime. I'm good. I'm good, yeah. man. Don't worry about me. <laughs> Where's Rob Robbing on a while? Like <laughs> what do you eat for dinner, man? So I find that really funny. And like Grant was like, I don't know. I think he was in the bathroom, but I just find it quite entertaining. And it is what it is. But you know, every, I think everybody was wondering where Rob was at that point. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no. I was, I, well, I was concerned because, right? Because like that's it's one. Of, it, 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 it's it was very similar to um, to Game Three when Jimmy didn't come out. And at that time, I was at a bar watching, it, so I didn't hear anything that was said. So I was just like, wait a minute, something looks different about this Heat team wait, that's Victor Oladipo, not Jimmy Butler. And I kind of had the same thing last night where after halftime, I was, I was watching on playback with, with Greg and I, we were hosting a, a watch party, but after the first, you know, first set or two, we were like, wait a minute, where's Rob? What's going on? Like this level of concern sparked in me. And then we saw him on the bench, like, you know, a minute, a minute later. And it was this giant sigh of relief. But, um, but yeah, it was that same thing where I was like, somebody give me an update here. What's going on? But 
luckily he was he was he was either just in the bathroom or stretching either way <laughs> i'll retweet that tweet once we're finished recording um the other thing was as well you know marcus smart was very similar to like carl larian but he didn't look himself didn't have much lift didn't really navigate screens the way you'd expect him yeah. to on defense like you could tell he was out there because he wanted to be on the floor for his teammates and i think he gives you a big impact in like um like his ability to organize guys and like be verbal. And I think that, you know, him being on the floor is beneficial in that, that sense, but he wasn't game ready, dude. He yeah. would have been out for at least another probably week, week and a half. Oh yeah. That's my point. A bunch of these guys would probably be out. I mean, Tatum was grabbing his shoulder, you know, what, four different times in the, in, in the first quarter, but I was know, six, scared, bro. Oh, I was very, I was, are you kidding me? <laughs> it happened three times in the first, in the first quarter or so. So it was, it was extremely nerve wracking, but, but sticking on the Marcus smart point for, for just a second, you know, Al Horford talked about this in his, in his post game press conference where just Marcus being out there is you know he's he's the heart and soul of this team we've talked about this before like like al's kind of the the mind of the team and and marcus is really that heart and soul jason and Jalen, they're they're the best players in the on-court leaders but marcus is that heart and soul of this team so just seeing him out there you know al was talking about how that's inspiring for the guys just to have know that you have your your floor general and your heart and soul leader out there marcus smart so just by proxy uh, of him being on the court it was a net positive for the celtics but like you said you know there was definitely times where you could tell that he he wasn't at full strength and honestly you know a guy that we definitely need to talk about here Derek white has been filling in phenomenally for Marcus Smart over these last two games. Uh, at one point last night, I, I was really surprised that Ime even brought Marcus Smart back for a little stint in the, in the fourth to. quarter. I didn't think he needed to either. And so he could have, I mean, it was only about a minute and a half, two minutes. It wasn't very long, but, you know, Derek White was playing so well. And, you know, he had a great, he had a, he had a good game in game four. He had a great game last night. Is Derek, watch your tone, White. He's not having this slander that's been being thrown in. Fatherhood playoff bump. Yeah, he's like, yo, I got someone to impress right now. You know, I want I want to be <laughs> these, these these games right here. These are the ones I'm going to be showing him on DVD when he's this like, is my, this is my legacy now. I got, yeah, I got, <laughs> I got like, you know, I, like, I got a mini me that needs to have some footsteps to follow in. And the best way to do that is be like, yo, you were born and I want a chip. So you're my lucky charm. And I, I think the way Derek White played the last two games, like his aggressiveness, his decisiveness on defense is like, um, again, it'll be aggressiveness, but it's just how locked in, how well he's reading the floor, how well he's reading guys coming off screens. He's just been exceptional. And this is the Derek White that you traded for. You know, this is the, this is the version of Derek White that everybody's been waiting to see. Scary part is, he said the other day in one of his presses that, He's still learning the way this team does things. He's still sure. getting used to it. It's not second nature yet. He's going to get better. He's going to improve. For sure. And he's, uh, in my opinion, he was arguably the most impactful player from the Celtics last night. I think yeah. like, he, he was the one that injected the energy. He was the one that brought a sense of urgency. He was the one that set the tone defensively and then everybody else followed suit. Yeah, I felt like, Derek White and Al Horford last night really are the ones that kept this thing afloat when it was a disaster. When it was when it was just gross. Al Horford and Derek White showed up from the jump all the way until they could get it to the point where, you know, Tatum and Brown got a little bit hot towards the end of the third quarter, early fourth, and then that really put the separation in it and from which the Heat could never recover. But Al and and Derek White had to be special leading up to that point. 
And, you know, thinking of Derek White, one thing that I don't think we give enough credit to or, or, or think about enough when we think of why sometimes his, especially on the offense, the defensive side, he's pretty consistent just about every, you know what you're getting with Derek White. Offensively, you know, I don't think we give enough a thought to, this is a very different role for him right? Like he's been a starter in San Antonio the last two, three years. Like he's, he's been splitting time handling the ball with, with DeJounte Murray, but you know, he was integral to that team to the point where he was playing 30, 35 minutes. He knew what he was getting every single night. He knew what his role was. He knew, you know, he was going to be a starter on a fringe playoff team and, and what they were looking to accomplish here, you know, and I, and I said this about Jalen Brown and I think it's kind of something about Derek White. Jalen Brown as that clear cut number two guy, it, it, it's a very difficult place because you need to to kind of hold back a little bit at certain points and know your role. But if Jason Tatum's not hurt or he's not feeling great, you got to do what, what Jason what Jalen Brown did in the second half last night and be like, okay, Jason, I got you. Let me be the man for a little bit and go out and cook and go get your buckets and be that backup support that a superstar guy needs because they can't be that level every single night, especially when they're injured. Derek White, very similar. Came in as a guy that's a capable starter in this league. You can put Derek, there's a lot of teams in this league that would kill for Derek White as a starter. We have an extreme luxury with the way our team is right now that he's a backup for us, that he comes in off the bench. Basically, he's a sixth starter, but he comes in off the bench for us. And so when you have this Marcus Smart injury, you have a guy that can come in and keep and keep it flowing. And you heard Eme talk about that, where he's like, the part with Derek White that, that lets us allows us to continue to be ourselves is... You know, we our defense doesn't suffer that that much when he comes in. Obviously, Marcus is the defensive player of the year. You're going to hurt a little bit, but Derek White is a very versatile defender, and so he's coming in here having to adjust his entire lifestyle that he's known his NBA career, and he's doing so on the fly. And now, because he's gotten a little bit more leeway these last two games, you're seeing, like you said, the Derek White you traded for because it's probably a little bit more similar to the role that he was so accustomed to, and he's still finding that way. But I think that's only dangerous as we think about the evolution of this team and the way that his age, his contract line up with the rest of this team and what you're looking at, not just for this year, but like long-term and what that could mean. It means a lot. Yeah. Like, when I, like, and the reason I kind of say that so matter-of-factly and so bluntly is because as one, like you say, when there's an injury, you, you can lean on Derek White to come, to come in and be a starter. But for two, how many six men are better than Derek White right now in terms of impact? You know, and this is a conversation for during the off season because I genuinely want to sit down once the and, and go through each team and I want to kind of rank where Derek White sits among six men because I think that next season when he's got a full off season with Boston, when his role's kind of consolidated in his mind, like, right, this is what I'm going to come in to do. This is what they need from me. And then on other days, this is what they need from me. I think we're going to see the the bench unit be a lot more robust than what it was this year because there were certain aspects of the bench unit this season that just felt like man they need to improve not need an upgrade but they need some internal improvement obviously it's short there's a little bit of an upgrade either <laughs> yeah i'm trying to be on, nice. on the back end on the back end yeah. on the back end i'm trying to be nice you know we're <laughs> one game away from the nba finals it can't be that bad that's fair but, that's uh, fair yeah you know but when i'm looking at it and I'm like, man, Derek White's been huge for this team. Al Horford's been huge for this team. Jalen Brown came up clutch in, in that game game uh, yesterday. Game five, because by the time this comes out, it won't be yesterday's game anymore. Uh, you know, I, that dunk was... 
like JB and I've been very kind of I've got a big belief in this JB stopped dunking ferociously after he slipped off the rim that one time mm-hmm. you know what I mean we see him we see him lay up more than we see him dunk and that one was ferocious and the worst part was he almost slipped off the rim again <laughs> yeah. so <laughs> You know, and I'm just like, man, JB, you go up with so much like ferocity, so tenaciously, and you're just like slipping everywhere, dude. Yeah, here's a here's a quick question for you, Adam. Better dunk this round of the playoffs. Jalen Brown versus Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins because there was like clear cut resistance on Wiggins. He dunked over somebody. Like people got out of JB's way. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Luca Luca thought thought about it a little too long and still put himself in yeah. harm's way. Every, everyone on Miami made kind of a business decision and, and got out of the way. They're like, yo, we're banged up enough as it is. We ain't yeah. stopping this. We, we, we can't hang with this. Hopefully he yeah. just hopefully he tries. It's one of those things where you're like, I hope he goes to slam it so hard that he he misses him on his own you know what i mean like it's like yeah. it's going so hard that he'll throw it off the the back of the iron but now jb threw that down both by the way both are phenomenal dunks i just wanted to bring that up because those those were electrifying dunks in and you know in what have been not great series those two dunks stand out big time yeah the only reason i'm picking the wiggins one and uh i feel very vindicated in this in a, in a moment i'm just gonna pat myself on the back in a sec but um, I feel more like the, I'm picking the Wiggins one just because there was resistance in front of him, whereas everyone was just like clear out for JB, man. Yeah. Have you ever like Mighty Ducks, right? When Fulton starts shooting those, um, yeah, everyone starts in, ducking out to the side. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> jumping, dude. Even in Mighty Ducks too, as well, where um the Icelandic team get out of the way as well, and yeah. that one the, the goalie catches it, his hands all busted. <gasps> <gasps> <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> and the reason I'm vindicated is I used to do another show with uh, Jonathan Macquarie, um, and but last last year we were doing it. We were doing it for um, a company, and uh, I was on record saying that Andrew Wiggins. It might have been two years ago actually. Andrew Wiggins for Golden State was going to become a modern day more athletic Andre Iguodala, and like this was like this was when Golden State had just acquired Andrew Wiggins. Mm-hmm. While it hasn't come to full fruition. Wiggins has been far better in Golden State, so I'm just patting myself on the back for the foresight. You know, I think I, mean? it's, I think it's interesting you went with the Andre Iguodala comparison because to me, I, 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 yeah, no, no, I get it. I, to me, I, I thought of him as because it was young Harrison Barnes, a more souped up or more ready Harrison Barnes is what I was. Yeah, thinking of that, that's Wiggins fair. I just never world. thought that entrust Wiggins with the ball handling <laughs> duties that Harrison Barnes got interested that, no, no, that's, in. And that's, and that's entirely fair. That's entirely fair. But, yeah. but you know, that's for uh, that's for Golden State podcast to discuss. I just wanted to give Or maybe for us bit. down the line. Not yet, though. Not yet. Not, Not yet. yet. I just wanted to pat myself on the back. You know, I had some foresight there. I felt good about it. You know, I have some bad takes, takes that don't come off. So I'm going to uh, puff <laughs> my chest out right here. Honestly, dude, like, I want, at, at this point, I'd usually be like, oh, let's look forward to game six. But what we're going to say, don't turn the ball over, you win. It's the same. St- and, and this is the part of what comes back to our opening, you know, mini rant about this series and it not being great is like, we, we know the storylines. Like, number one, here, here's what's going to happen between now and the time that, that game six tips off. Everyone's going to be checking the injury report. The injury report is step one to all of 
this? Who's actually available for either side? Does Tyler Hero come back? Does Jimmy end up playing? Does Lowry end up playing on the Celtic side? We know Rob's game to game, basically. Marcus Smart, we expect to come back, but we don't know, like, because there's such little time off, we don't know how these injuries are reacting. Are they swelling? Are they, you know, stiffening up a little bit? You know, what do those look like? So that's step one. If the injury report looks anything similar to what it does last night, check mark for the Celtics. If the Celtics don't turn the ball over and don't give Miami opportunities in transition, check mark. Celtics go to the finals. Like, I mean, I, I feel like it's like, and at this point, especially when you factor in the injuries, it's not even being disrespectful. It just is what it is. You look at the stats in the series and every single one, the Celtics uh, are dominant. In, you know, like, like you just look at this here, more points per game Celtics, 106.4 to 98.2 rebounds per game Celtics, even though the Celtics felt like they're getting killed on the offensive glass Celtics averaging 45.8 to 40 to 40.6 assists 23 to 19. Steals and turnovers are the two areas that Miami has them beat, which obviously makes sense. Blocks, Celtics averaging three more blocks per game. Field goal percentage, Celtics shooting 6% better, 46 to 40. Three-point percentage, 35 to 29 in favor of the Celtics. And free throw percentage is about even, but the Celtics are getting to the line a little bit more. It, it, it just it, I, I, There's not much more analysis we can bring to this. No, dude, like, I'm sitting here thinking about what else we could talk about right now because, like, <laughs> like, I'm just like, the only thing I can think of is the conversation I had with uh, my wife, Zoe, before she went to work this morning because, like, uh, she's got off. And like I said to you before we started, like, this series is so, like, I'm, like, I'm invested, obviously, but I just feel like the there's just something that's not as captivating. So I'm checking the scores, you know, and then mm-hmm. coming in. And like, I don't like doing that, so I'm not going to let it become a habit. But I checked the score this morning. She's like, oh, how did it do? You know, you know, because she has to show an interest. And uh, I'm like, yo, they're one game away from the finals. She was like, well, what didn't didn't you say to Will and Greg that um, if the Celtics make it to the finals and then they're like, you know, and it's like a game, a game five or a game six that you're going out to Boston. I was like, I did. She was like, <laughs> you need to start looking at them flights now. I'm like, you can't predict that. You know, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. The, you the can't flight predict prices that. are going to go through the roof because of that. But I'm like, man. For like- multiple reasons, too. I mean, it's, you know, this weekend is Memorial Day weekend here in, here in the States. And that's basically the signifier of the start of summer. And, you know, with the you know COVID rates always kind of up and down in the summertime yeah. is when they start pretty low. And people take advantage. And so you're, you're, I'm already seeing, cause I had to book a flight uh, to Boston for a separate event in the, in the later in the summer and flights are far more expensive right now yeah. than, than they typically are. So you're going to see huge spikes in, in, in travel costs until all of a sudden we probably hit another area where it's like, Oh, COVID super high again, everybody back inside. I'll, I'll so, just get a boat. Yeah. <laughs> Take me a week to get there. But I was I'll gonna say you, you gotta you gotta get on that boat and pray to God that by the time you you hit land <laughs> that there is an actual game at that point. How long is it? Like five days? I don't know. Probably. I mean, it's, I don't. I couldn't yeah, do I it, know. dude. Like, I don't mind being on you a boat. You don't like to see, like, right? Uh, like, I don't mind it. Like, I don't mess with it. Like, if I'm at the beach and that, I don't really. You go don't in swim, it. right? No, I don't. Swim. I can't swim. I can swim, but I can't swim. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think my girlfriend's the same way. She says she can't swim, but she can't like, like, she thinks of it in the sense that like you're doing laps in a pool to work out. I'm like, yeah, you're not gonna do that. But like, when you're in a pool, you're fine. And like, I've seen if you. If there's like, an undercurrent, I'm done for. I'll die. 
yeah, she's she's not very much into the in, in into the in, she's into the beach, but not into the ocean. If that makes yeah. Sense. So my wife's a really strong swimmer, and um, I can't remember where we were. We were somewhere in Spain. We weren't like, uh, and she went into the ocean. It might have been like just off of Barcelona, like a bit south of Barcelona. I'm sure we. Uh, I I love Barcelona, so it's yeah, probably Barcelona's there. beautiful. But it might have been a bit south of there, and she anyway she went into the ocean, and a riptide pulled her far, dude. Like it took her nearly half an hour, 40 minutes to swim back to shore and she had to swim in zigzags. Yeah. I was like, dude, that was me. Two strokes forward, one stroke back. Two strokes yeah. forward, one stroke back. I've, I've had that I've had that experience as well. It's 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 a little terrifying. And by the time you get to shore, you are I've never Exhausted. been so tired in my life. Yeah. She, and she was like, but she's a super strong swimmer. And she looked me in the eyes because we was, was with my daughter as well. And she'd begun ages. And um, she said to me, she went, when I looked up. I could, all I could see was a dot where land was. And she was like, I'm never swimming in the ocean again. And we've been on multiple vacations since mm-hmm. then. And she's never messed with the ocean. Cause she was yeah. like, yo, I was far. And no, I I, I'm not as careless with the ocean. I still will swim in the ocean, but like I, because growing up, like the, the beaches in, in Boston are just outside of Boston. Like, I don't know. They just, they, they just, they just, they just aren't like that. Um, terrifying i guess i don't know like i think it's very it's a very low like current the there's not really a ton of usually like like big riptides or the waves are like you know pretty mild but i was in brazil when this happened and i was studying abroad during college and was at this beach where it was known for a lot of its like surfers and so was there with a few friends whatever and like went out into the ocean with a few people and and we were just kind of like hanging around and didn't and didn't even realize that the waves were taking us further and further away because we were still like kind of the same you know depth but we were actually floating further and further away and all of a sudden i see my friend and this other guy uh who was at the beach who was a surfer and they run down the beach and they're yelling at us they're waving us to come back in i was like what what are these guys freaking out about and then i realized when it took me about 30 minutes to swim back in and i had to take multiple breaks i don't know if it was actually 30 minutes being a little facetious but it took me quite a while to swim back in and from that day forward i i, I no longer treat the ocean as a joke and realize that you do need to, to mind your wear when you're in there. Yeah. Because it's dangerous, man. And like, uh, for that reason, and like, you know, being on a, on a boat for that long in, in, in a giant ocean, like nah, dude, if I, I'll fly or I won't come like there's, there's, so basically what we're what we're saying here is to all of our listeners, because we've been talking not about the Celtics for about five minutes here. If you have a private jet, let us know. Adam wants to come to the game. Adam wants Yo, to come for to real, Austin. dude. Like if Can you, we get if a PJ? Hook, like if you want to <laughs> hook me up like ask, like, you know, hook me up with uh, some floats for a like a, a Warriors game, I'm down, man. I mean, if we do it in, but I want it to be in Boston, right? Like the thing is if we if I went to a Golden State game, I've got like uh my best friends probably two about four hours drive away. Mm-hmm. Uh Brendan, who's one of my best friends at this point, is like a two hour drive away. Like I've got people I can visit if I go west coast, but if I but I wanna be east coast. Do you know what I mean? Even if I can't get into the game, at least yeah. be in a bar and like doing You wanna have up. that environment. Meet yeah, be with the dude. people, be with yeah. our people. Be with, be with, yeah, dude, and like you know. So I, I, I did say it at the start of the playoffs, and I thought, and like in my head, I was like, yeah, it's a second round exit. I don't need to worry. And now I'm like, dude, looks like I'm coming to Boston. 
it's it's a real chance man so we'll uh we'll we'll see we're not there yet we got we got to get through friday we got to get through friday in this game six but you know like I we mean, said like, I, wishes I, I, I said i'd go to miami because then i would have been there already I'd, miami is so high up on my bucket list that it's really yeah but you don't want to we, we just talked about the environment you don't want that to yeah be but i'd be watching it from the beach dude like <laughs> you know <laughs> would you be at a uh, live nightclub one of the one of the nightclubs out there yeah, so sh- yeah, probably, dude. I'd be living it up. <laughs> like, shout out Jared White because um, I, I ch- he put some up on his story uh, yesterday when he landed in Miami. Uh, it might be the day before, actually, and he's just in the hotel with this like oh, awesome the champagne view of- glass. Yeah, awesome yeah, yeah, view of the that. ocean and a champagne glass. And I'm like, and then I look out my window to see England, like you know, an English house, which are tiny compared to American houses, brick or gloomy, cloudy sky. And I'm like, then I look back at my phone and I'm like, this ain't fair, man. (laughs) (laughs) How come you get to be there and I'm stuck here? But like, yeah, shout out Jared, man, because he looked like you're having a whale of a time. Yeah, Miami, great, great place to visit. The views are great, but... If you're the Celtics, let's get the hell out of there, man. Let's yeah, let's let's not go back. I don't do care not, if you yeah, like it. Let's no not go seven. back. I don't want to go back for a game seven. Like I, I honestly think it's a little bit imperative. The Celtics close this out in six. They, yeah, because they, there's always a chance. I mean, Taylor said that chance. in his post game presser, yeah. right? He was like, "Yo, we were the team down three two in the last series and come back to win." Yep. Like we can't be thinking that we've only got one more victory. It's like we need to come in and be like, yo, we're down three two because we've done to Milwaukee what Miami could potentially be doing to us. Yeah. So he I think he understands, like he understands the assignment as the TikTok kids would say. Um <laughs> he had some nice drip on as well. He had a couple of diamond chains that were blinging. He had that one pinker ring that was blinging yeah, too. Jay, like, Jay's been Jay's been swagging the supposed Yeah. Silk shirt. You're just like, dude, man, you're balling out. And then uh, <laughs> you know, you had Embiid giving him all some love online, saying, like, uh, you know, Boston just got too many weapons. That's right, bro. Would have done it to you too. Um <laughs> <laughs> So I mean that's about it. Like uh, well, I'm kind of just going it's, through. Yeah, that. I mean, I mean, we, yeah, we should wrap this up because what else can you say? I think we've said what everybody else knows at this point. Yeah, we, we know what needs to happen in Game Six, and if it happens, we'll be on here talking about a Finals preview next time. If it doesn't happen, and then the we're going to be sitting here sweating this. bullets about what could potentially slip away in a Game Seven where anything can happen. I think if they make it to the Finals, I want to start. Uh, a Twitter thing with all of our listeners and there's a lot of them. So I, I hope everybody gets involved where we all, and I mean all of us at the Celtics and ask them to give me some free entry. If I, I pay for flights, <laughs> you pay for tickets. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? See I, if we I, can I, make that work. Yeah. And then get me into the NBC studio, you know, make, make this a memorable trip for me, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like i've had a rough year a really bad year this would that this would be nice please help me all right then until the uh until monday i mean we've joked around quite a bit and i've enjoyed this one get to know us a little bit better you yeah. know you listen to us three times a week and that now you know i can't swim um yeah dude man so everyone if you want to watch game six game six with people then Will and Greg will be hosting a playback tomorrow. I'll retweet it. So if you're not following those guys, A, you should be, but B, I'll hook you up with a retweet if you're following me. Um, make sure that if you've enjoyed the show, I am going to start doing this at the beginning soon, but I just need to remember to do so. I need to write a reminder <laughs> on my hand. Um, please, I implore you to share, whether you share it on Twitter, whether you share it on Reddit, Instagram. You know the draw by now. I've been saying it for over a few months. 
helps us a bunch. Our reviews are looking a little bit um anemic at the moment. They haven't yeah, been one in a, a while. We need them. Yeah. We need them, baby. We need them. They make they make us so happy. And honestly, they they boost you in the uh the podcast charts and we like being charted we like going in and seeing like hey we're in the top 100 basketball podcasts on <laughs> earth hey we're in the top 50 ideally i'd like to be in the top five but you know beggars can't be choosers one day uh, one day one day and the only other way just to put will on the spot just because you know it's been that kind of episode the only other way to share this podcast is via word of mouth and will will tell you some very extravagant ways of doing so yeah, so build it into your daily routine like Adam. Put a note on your hand. Talk about Celtics blog pod with everyone I see. So that way, when you go to the barber, when you go to your dentist, when you go to your doctor, when you go to get your coffee from your local barista, you can just look down at your hand and be like, that's right. Will and Adam told me I should talk about the Celtics blog podcast today. Celtics are up 3-2. Come, come check out the guys. They'll get you set for game six. And then hopefully... We'll be hitting y'all with a three-man weave talking about the NBA Finals. So, we'll see. Come back. Join us. Appreciate everybody. Arrivederci. Peace. Ain't disrespecting you haters. I ain't sweating your opinion. Y'all been testing my patience. Never did it for a check. I've been impressed with the famous. Just rather be creative than stressing my wages. Ageless every time I lay a verse down. One play at a time. Keep it moving like a first down. And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this. MJ never made it to the majors. Still, he chased greatness. Expected that he might fail. And I might too. I might never get to pop champagne. Celebrating with the crew. This ain't everything I am. It's something that I 